Hey there. It's me, Sophia Amoruso, founder and CEO of Girlboss. And this is Girlboss Radio, the show for and about ambitious women, exploring the wins, losses, and insights learned on the winding road to success. On this week's show, you're going to hear from Mia Khalifa. I found her on Twitter and thought she was really interesting, so I invited her on Girlboss Radio. She's a Lebanese-American social media personality. She's a sports commentator. She's been a cam girl. And oh yeah, she used to work in the adult film industry as a porn star. Mia only worked in the porn industry for a short period of time, but in her life and career, it forever changed her trajectory and not in necessarily the best way. Here's what you need to know. In October 2014, Mia began acting in pornography. By December, she was ranked the most viewed performer on the website Pornhub. And part of that reason for that was the tremendous worldwide controversy she ignited, especially in the Middle East. That's largely due to a video in which she performed sexual acts while wearing the Islamic hijab. And as we know, controversy leads to press and views and clicks and notoriety on the internet. And after just three months of working in the adult film industry, Mia left to pursue other interests. It hasn't been an easy transition for her, but she's set on charting a new course for herself. We talk a little bit about her regrets, what it is that she's done since she's moved on for the porn industry, and how she deals with all the hate that continues to come her way. I think I still stand by my statement that it's satire and it was not to be insulting towards Muslims whatsoever. And uh, anything that was done in that video is nowhere near as bad as a South Park episode that's putting down, you know, Middle Eastern people or Muslims. So that is something that I don't agree with. But I, 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 can, I can understand why it was upsetting to, to a lot of people. But I mean, to the point of death threats... Stay tuned for my conversation with Mia. We talk about why she entered the porn industry and why she wishes she never did. She also explains what she wishes she knew about signing contracts and what's next for her. Here's our conversation. Hi. Hi. Mia. Welcome to Girl Boss Radio. Thank you so much. It's so nice to have you. I'm so excited to be here. Um, and so you've had a really interesting career. I just want to get into from the very top, like, tell me a little bit about who you are and you got into the sex work industry. We're going to talk a lot about that. Uh, but tell me how that happened. Um, I think it all stems from me being insecure. Uh, I was insecure in my body and I had very low self-esteem when I was young. Uh, I went into the industry when I was 21 years old and I had just lost 50 pounds. So my entire life, I never thought of myself as attractive. So after I lost all the weight in college, I uh, decided to get a breast augmentation when I moved to Miami. And I don't think that my mind had caught up with my body. So I was getting all of this attention that I thought would go away in an instant if I didn't lean into it. Um, so I think that was the main thing that pushed me to say yes to so many things that I should have said no to and should have had the foresight to see were going to be terrible for my life. And you grew up bullied. Yeah. Being Middle Eastern and uh, moving to America, the year 9-11 happens and growing up in D.C. where everything happened at the Pentagon and we were so close to New York. And um, You're I, a Lebanese immigrant. Yes. Yes. I moved from Beirut to D.C. in 2001. Um, so 
the, yeah, it was it was pretty it was pretty difficult. I mean, kids are brutal, and I always laughed it off. But uh, I think that after a while, it's hard it, it's hard for it not to affect you. And that probably contributed to your self esteem. Yeah, in, early in yeah, life. I just didn't have very many friends. I, I mean, I had a very small handful of people that I was close with and could call my friends, but I never had that, uh, you know, walking down the hallway and seeing all your friends. It was kind of like, oh, I hope I have a class with one of my friends this year. So you moved to Miami. Yes. Uh, Why did you move to Miami? Did you anticipate getting into the adult film industry? You were approached? No, no, no. That happened? No, uh, I moved to Miami because uh, I got an opportunity like a friend of mine said oh hey I'm going here do you want to come with me and it was right after college and I had just spent so much time in El Paso which was very depressing and very landlocked so the thought of living in Miami sounded like the most fun thing for me were you approached in my after I had lived in Miami for about like six seven eight months that's that's pretty quick yeah yeah how did that come about um I got my breast augmentation in June and then I was approached in uh, September. Um, and I was literally just walking from a pier one imports across the way to a Fuddruckers to go get fries. <laughs> and so someone walks up to you, what do they, what, how does someone approach someone saying, Hey, I, I would love for you to like get naked on camera. Like they just hand you a business card and say, do you want to model? Okay. And then that's kind of up to you to reach out to them, ask questions, see, uh, you know, what kind of, modeling because they like they don't just close the door in your face if you don't want to do porn what they kind of approach girls with is an opportunity to do some tasteful nude modeling and you know they can take that and use it if the girl is willing to do it um but if they can convince them to do more then they're always going to try and do that so what attracted you to that um nothing really attracted me it was more so not wanting the attention to go away I I was getting attention from men I had never had that before in my life so I I just kept saying yes to all of these things because I knew that once I said no, all of that was going to stop. And I didn't know how to I I couldn't I couldn't see that that was temporary validation and that that was going to be unhealthy for me in the long run. Whereas working on myself and uh, going to therapy and talking things out and kind of getting adjusted to my new body and my new self would be better for me. But no one thinks like that as a 21 year old. Did you find the experience liberating of being on camera nude? Not so much liberating, but I did feel validation in the moment. And then I would go home and it would start to fade away. And I kind of just kept chasing that feeling over and over again. What did you enjoy most and least about that work? Um, I don't think I enjoyed very much of it aside from the the, the attention that I got. Um but I, that was also the thing that I enjoyed the least, the attention that I got. Because after uh, the validation fades, then the shame sets in. Yeah. So that lasted only three months. Yeah. But it's lasted your lifetime. Yeah. Tell me about what happened and why you have 13 million Instagram followers and how... 18 million. Excuse me. <laughs> Tell me about why this has lasted more than three months. How you became the number one ranked adult film star on Pornhub. Like, what happened? A perfect storm. I think it was uh, all of the controversy that went along with me being in the industry. Uh, someone who's Middle Eastern, like truly Middle Eastern, not second generation uh, Middle Eastern. Someone who did something controversial, uh, which was wearing the hijab in the one scene. That's 
honestly the only reason anyone knows my name um, at the time for like in the industry. Uh, if it wasn't for that video, I really think that this could have been a phase that could have been brushed under the rug and no one would ever know about it in my life. And I would be living a normal life right now. Um, but I think it has something to do with that. But I'm also not going to credit all of my success to that because when I had 2 million followers right after all of this happened, my Instagram got hacked and I never reopened it until 2016. So in January of 2016, I started completely fresh, uh, re reopened Instagram, promoted it on my own, uh, found partnerships with you know, companies on my own doing posts for like two, three hundred dollars and thinking, oh, my God, I'm an influencer. <laughs> I mean, you are in some ways. Right. So do you ever feel the pressure, you know, in the same way you were like, I have to keep it up. Like, I look great now. I want the attention. And in some ways, when we have a social media following, I can relate to this. It's like, OK, well, I have this thing now I'm locked in. I'm indebted to social media. This is an opportunity for me. How could I turn it away? It's such a great opportunity. Do you ever feel that way about social media? Like, what would you be doing if you weren't doing what you're doing today? I think that I would be working a normal job and still be acting the same way that I do on Instagram because I'm extremely unfiltered on there. Um, I think that I post more videos and pictures of me looking terrible and just absolutely showcasing every pimple that's on my face and begging people for advice on how I can remedy it or, you know, posting videos of myself right after a 20 course meal that I had with my fiance and like... You know, what are we going to name this food, baby? And things like that. More than I post sexy photos. So tell me about the international repercussions. Just going back uh, to the hijab incident. I don't know which, what you call it. But how did that affect you internationally? What did the backlash look like? There was death threats from ISIS. There was a handful of bans from Middle Eastern countries. There was um, just a lot of commotion from people who wanted to have an opinion on it and wanted to put me down. And uh, I think I still stand by my statement that it's satire and uh, it was not to be insulting towards Muslims whatsoever. And uh, anything that was done in that video is nowhere near as bad as a South Park episode that's putting down, you know, Middle Eastern people or Muslims. So that is something that I don't agree with, but I, I, I can I can understand why it was upsetting to to a lot of people. But I mean, to the point of death threats, were you scared? I was. I was very scared. I was young and I didn't know what was going on, and it was a whirlwind, and so many other things were going on in my life. Uh, but that was kind of the moment where I realized this is going to be terrible. <laughs> How long did the terrible part last? I'll let you know when it's over. Okay. Uh, did it affect your friendships, your relationships with your family? Yeah. Uh, my family disowned me after very shortly after all of the news broke. Um, I lost a lot of friendships because people were kind of exploiting the fact that they knew me uh, and I wasn't comfortable with that. So I had to cut a lot of people out of my life. But I would say... Uh, the main change was immediately after was uh, not being able to get a normal job. There's contracts. Yeah, but it's kind of a contract that doesn't matter because uh, no one can force you to have sex. But the contracts that you signed, still, there's still content and repurposed content of you from several years ago that you were paid how much for? 
$12,000 before taxes. Out in the world. Yeah. That, and, and I believe someone else owns MiaKhalifa.com. Yeah. And I have tried so hard to get that back. Tell me, just for our listeners who are signing agreements for the first time, because it's a really weird world to navigate. So many of us don't have counsel, and it's really easy to sign our image and likeness away. What would you have done differently? I would have not signed it in front of them when they handed it to me. I would have taken it home and found someone on legal Zoom to look it over for $10 at that minimum. Like not even sending it out to friends, like just go on the internet and ask for advice if you really don't want your friends to know what you're about to do. Um make sure that it's in your best interest and in the company's best interest as well. Like you got to find a happy ground and Actually, no, just don't do porn. (laughs) So you regret this? Yes. How did you survive this emotionally? Or how are you surviving it emotionally? What have you you learned? Because we all experience adversity, hardship, criticism, regret. How have you coped with this emotionally? Do you go to therapists? Yes. Okay. That is my number one advice. Go to therapy. Therapy is the best thing that ever happened to me. I think that before therapy, I just bottled everything inside. And after therapy, I have the tools and the resources to know how to work through things so that it doesn't come out in another way. Like for me, it comes out as a short temper when I bottle a lot of emotions inside. And after a good therapy session, I realized that I can listen to the people in my life more and I can be more engaging and give them more of the time that of my time that they deserve. Um, But before like. It, it was it was really hard um, to deal with it on my own before I was able to afford going to therapy because after I left the industry, I was working minimum wage jobs. And where in Miami, I worked as a paralegal and then I worked as a bookkeeper for a construction firm. Um, the first job I had to leave because the partners recognized me and I felt uncomfortable there. And also the company went under, but I wanted to leave there as soon as I got there. But I knew I couldn't. Uh, and the second job was... Uh, it was still uncomfortable, but it was a much better situation. Uh, but six months in, I decided to move to Austin. What did you do in Austin? That's when I reopened Instagram and decided to really give it my all to try and turn this terrible situation into something that I can leverage as a career. So it's 2020. It's a new year. It's a new decade scary and you're probably in the middle of all of those new year's resolutions you're trying to level up in your career your money your ambitions and so much more it can be a lot to take on but you don't have to do it alone in fact at girl boss we're making it easy for you to find your support group this year so you can knock out all of those new year's resolutions so how can you find your support group i have an answer well you can join us at the next girl boss rally this april 25th here in Los Angeles. That's right, we're back and registration is live for the Girl Boss Rally LA and registration is filling up. You can expect a jam-packed day full of workshops, panels and inspiring talks with some of today's most inspiring entrepreneurs, small business owners, execs and thought leaders and a lot of incredible women from across the country and across the globe, which may be the best thing that you get out of the Girl Boss Rally. Best friendships, co-founders, so many relationships have been formed at the Girl Boss Rally. It's something that we're really proud of with the work that we do here at Girl Boss and something that we want to do more of with the work we do here at Girl Boss. You don't want to miss out, so head on over to girlbossrally.com and register to find out more.
I'm sure you still get a lot of unwanted attention. Yeah. And that's based on a decision you made when you were much, much younger. How do you handle that? Sometimes it's... I I black out sometimes when a man approaches me and is so blatantly disrespectful to me. Um, it's to the point where I have been physically violent towards them and it's been in, like, covered in the news and stuff. But I, I really just completely black out and want to defend myself in any way. And even if they're not being physically intimidating, like just someone making a comment like, oh, I'm a huge fan of your videos makes me feel violated on such a deep level that my only reaction is either to yell at them or to punch them in the face. What are some of the most egregious comments that you've gotten from people in public? There was this one instance when me and my manager were in London. Um, a group of people came up to our table when we were eating lunch and the guy asked me for a photo and I said no because I was in the middle of a meal and also no don't approach a table where people are dining as a group and demand a photo and then uh, his girlfriend says uh, oh it's okay honey I told you that wasn't her you can't recognize her without cum on her face wow from a woman from a woman yeah for those of us who have not been in the adult industry, how what would your advice be to deal with unwanted attention? Because so many, all women receive unwanted attention. Uh, what is what is the more polite way of, of declining that kind of attention? When I actually have my wits together and I'm not on the verge of a psychotic breakdown and like punching people left and right, then... Uh, It's hard for me to give advice because what I do is just ignore them with every fiber of my being, like not even blink an eye when they talk in my direction to the point where I will have them questioning whether or not they have the right person. If you speak English. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Have you been physically accosted? Do you have a tall fiance at the very least? what's happened? Uh, Yes, I do have a very tall fiance, um, but that has not stopped men from coming up to me and literally grabbing my arm at grocery stores and asking and asking for a photo. And when I get when I get touched, my my reaction is either, you know, defend yourself or embarrass them. And thankfully, I've learned to opt for embarrass them. And that's when I scream at the top of my lungs, no matter where I am, don't fucking touch me. And that'll have every woman in a grocery store stopping her cart to look into the aisle to see what's going on. I think that's great advice. I was in a Starbucks once and someone walked up from behind and did that thing where they squeeze the sides of your waist like, boop, hey. Oh, my God. Because they thought they knew me. And I was just like, I was so repulsed because I didn't even see it coming. And it was just like, what? I'm just waiting for a coffee. Oh, my. Did you wait? So they didn't know you? They didn't know me. They thought I was someone else from behind. He was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. But it's just like such a gross feel like being tickled (laughs) by a stranger I've hit my fiance when he like he tries to scare me when we're at grocery stores and we go to pick out different things he'll like come find me in the aisle and come up behind me and scare me it's like don't fucking do that I don't do that you don't remember Isis like what do you think I'm expecting when someone just jumps out and scares me are you still scared for your life well yes I there are certain countries I will not go to because I'm terrified for my life so you resigned I did after three months Mm mm-hmm what was that like? Um, I actually, I didn't know how to because I knew I had signed a contract and I didn't know how resignation worked in the industry. The only thing I was familiar with was how to be a decent human being in a normal job. So I asked them all for a meeting at a certain time uh, 
that week. And then I had resignation letters printed out and put in front of all their seats. And when they walked in, their jaws just dropped to the floor. They were like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you don't want to do this anymore, you just don't call us back. What is this? You're being professional. Yeah, exactly. How dare you? <laughs> and in your BBC interview, you said that when you went to quit, the power players, mm-hmm. who were all men, basically told you that you were overreacting. Yeah. How did you respond to that? Uh, I I just told them this isn't your life. Like you're not the one dealing with the backlash. You're the one reaping all the benefits because of everything viral that's happened with your name dragging mine around. How do you reconcile the fact that these guys have made so much money and you've made so little? I try not to think about it because it 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 angers me so much how they feel entitled to my body and all of these moments that I I know that I made the decision but I made the decision when I was young and naive and now that I've done so much more and it's like it's like every every time I take a step forward in my career they will do something with the footage they have of me to re-release and make it seem like I'm still working in the industry because they'll either put out a like remix video or you know put out something that's uh remastered and say that it's new and not everyone is familiar with all 10 videos I've made so they they truly think that I'm still in the industry and working and it's detrimental to my career it holds me back so much especially since they still hold the domain name that they won't give back to me and someone's blogging pretending they're you on that website Mm -hmm. is that even legal Ask my lawyers if their lawyers will get back to us. Do sex workers ever get residuals in the adult film industry? If they own their own sites, there's some girls who, you know, just go on GoDaddy and create a site for themselves and upload content like that. But if you're working for anyone else, no, you just get paid a day rate. Are you still doing cam work? No. Is that what you call it? Yeah, I did that during my move to Austin to earn myself some money. Uh, I only did that for about six months, though. Is there better money in that? Yes. Really? Yes. What kind of money? <sighs> like 6000 a month, but I didn't work that hard, no pun intended. Sounds kind of great. So <laughs> <laughs> what's the most common assumption people make about you? That I still do porn. And you've mentioned that there were women in power positions on the business side of the adult film industry. How do you think those women are treated do you think they do anything extra to take care of female performers or is it just not a gender-based issue at all I don't think it's a gender-based issue uh I there was girls who were high up in the company that really were so desensitized and that's not a bad thing like they were desensitized enough to the point where they can full-on just stare at a porn video and be like Mm, editing is bad here take this part like it they they look at it like a job and that's perfectly fine The porn industry is primarily run by men. It's a really opaque world with weird contracts. And I'm just curious, do you think that there's a way to make it a positive industry? Like, What what could change, even just incrementally small changes, to make it a more safe place, to make it a place that embraces performers more? Um, I I think that the only thing that I think would make it better, uh, speaking from experience, is... uh, letting you take the contract home and kind of suggesting to have someone look it over because a lot of these girls are coming in when they're 18 years old 
and they have no idea how contracts work and they have no idea that they're entitled to, you know, a free consultation from a lawyer that'll look over this contract and give them some free advice. No one tells them that. No one knows that. So I think one way to make the porn industry so much healthier for young women is to force the corporations when they hand them these contracts to kind of suggest to them to have it to have it looked over before they sign it. Do you make more money now than you did? <laughs> I'm guessing. God, I hope so. Yes. <laughs> So what kind of partnerships do you do? Because I know that you know, there's this term brand safety, right? And I'm, I'm guessing you do a certain amount of influencer deals. Yeah. What kind of partners are you working with? Um, I work very closely with things I'm passionate about. For example, sports. I'm a huge sports fanatic. So something natural was my partnership with this company, MyBookie, uh, to help people... Uh, bet on sports online um it's a really really easy and great site hashtag no ad uh, i'm just explaining it yeah, yeah. <laughs> um so i like partnerships like that i like partnerships that make sense um but i'm also out here hawking like off-brand apple watches and that's fine like I, I draw my line at things that are unhealthy for women so i won't do fitness teas and anything that's a diuretic or anything that will harm your body or you know just leave you on the toilet for hours on end so you yeah uh so you hosted a sports show I did I posted two yeah do you think you'll ever get into hosting again I hope so it was really fun it was just uh that that made more sense at the time in my career because I wasn't traveling as much and I could commit to it right now I would love to find the time to do something you know long form like that, like a weekly show, but it's it's just been really, really hard. Real quick, I have two words for you. Girl Boss Rally. That's right, we're back, and this year we're introducing a little something called Journeys. You can choose from different tracks like The Explorer, The Leader, The Founder, or The VIP, and each one is gonna come with a schedule that is tailored to your professional experience. When you register for a specific journey, you get guaranteed access to all programming and workshops in your journey so you don't have to stress about selecting your schedule before the Girl Boss Rally. So we're really tailoring this to you from all the things that we've learned over the course of the last five Girl Boss Rallies. And what you'll leave with, in addition to knowing a lot and having tools, utilities to take out into the world, to take back home and improve your life, is relationships. And relationships can be hard to build. We make networking so easy. It's actually mandatory at the Girl Boss Rally. So that's something you know you'll leave with. You can find a co-founder, a friend, a confidant, someone to come to the Girl Boss Rally with next year because we've seen that happen many, many times. We've revamped the Girl Boss Rally this year so you can expect three hours of dedicated workshops tailored to your professional needs and you get a special welcome bag with an exclusive Girlboss notebook, pen, and pins. And you get a complimentary breakfast and brunch. And you get admission to our evening happy hour at the Girlboss Rally. So if you want to find out more, head on over to girlbossrally.com and register today. You've experienced a, a lot of stress. I'm sure you still do. How do you take care of yourself? What does self-care look like for you? Not leaving the house and doing absolutely nothing. Um, I don't really let outside influences get to me for very long. Um, I might spend, 
you know, a couple hours lamenting on it when something really big happens. Like when, you know, I was trending worldwide on Twitter over the summer when I was public about how much I actually made in the industry. And the backlash was terrible. Like people had awful, awful, awful things to say. And it was trending. So people all over the world were seeing this all over Twitter. Um, And I was actually on an airplane going to Copenhagen at the time. So I was like on shitty airplane Wi-Fi looking at all of this and just bawling my eyes out in the seat. My fiance is sleeping like next to me. So he has no idea what's going on. And that lasted for about like two, three hours. And I then decided this is not worth it. I am on a first class flight to Copenhagen right now that cost more than I ever made in the porn industry. Why am I letting this bring me down right now? Like my life is amazing. Look what, look at what I've done for myself. Like I have no reason to be sad. These people's opinions mean absolutely nothing. What kind of things did they say? I mean, it was just people making fun of me for not being a good quote unquote porn star and like how I didn't deserve to make that much. And, Oh, she only made that much. That's why, you know, she's doing this and that, and maybe she should go back into the industry. And, it, it was the worst parts of the internet coming out and all directing their <laughs> hatred at me. Why do you continue? Because, you know, there are things that you've said that for some reason or another have been inflammatory, that there is backlash. And in some ways you could say you're making it harder on yourself. Why do you why do you continue to put out like your honesty, your opinions into the world when that can sometimes hurt you? Because what else would I do? Like, this is this is my life now. Um, it took me five years of my manager basically convi- like begging me, begging me on a monthly basis to speak out on my time in the industry because I was leaving it all to speculation and people were kind of forming their own narrative for me. And I didn't want to be the one to come out and speak because I didn't want to bring more attention towards it. My, my outlook the entire time leading up to the summer when I released all of those was... The less I talk about it, the more I avoid talking about it publicly, like I am on this awesome show, uh, the faster people will forget. And that is, I I realize that is absolutely not the case. People are just forming a narrative for me and taking away my power. So that's why I decided to speak on it. And I was actually really, really nervous and scared to release any of those videos because I was terrified of something like that happening. And it did. But I got over it. So it's fine. So own your story. Yeah. So you have a new website. I do. Tell me about it. It's called Network, but that was taken. I wonder why. So it's spelled NTWK.com. And basically what it is, is uh, turning this whole internet, digital entrepreneur, you know, industry into more of a teamwork and a community. Because right now it's very everyone for themselves. And that's how it was for me when I was trying to grow my brand, grow my rebrand and uh, kind of leave my mark on the Internet as an influencer, as lame as that sounds. But I really wish there was someone there to help me and guide me and give me some resources. And I'm not just talking about a mentor. I'm talking about a community that I could have joined online. Um, so I wanted to bridge that gap and offer a place for all of these women who are really trying but don't have the resources Um so I want to give what I can offer, which is exposure, promotion, um, and uh, we want to have recurring uh, themes where uh, all of the girls were, will participate, and I'll choose one person to uh, kind of win that month, and the upcoming uh, prizes that we have, an example of one is 
a $10,000 budget for a photo shoot to kind of give them a step up in their career and like really, really take whatever content they're creating, whether it be uh, makeup tutorial vlogs or, uh, you know, fun photo shoots or they're a fitness model and they want to put all this money into going to the best gym in the world and, you know, creating a video there. Uh, I, I, I wish that there was a place like that for me when I was coming up. And I want to help women who are either trying to rebrand or just trying to make their mark. How do we join? <laughs> you go to network.com slash Mia Khalifa. And, and you're on Patreon as well. So this is why I left Patreon. Because Patreon is very, you know, it's just you. Whereas this is everything that Patreon is offering, but more in a community form. It's networked. Yeah, exactly. People can discover you. Yeah. Cool. For those of us... Who want to rebrand what would your advice be I think it would be to hold your ground and really really not lose sight of what your goal is it can be very tempting to slip back into easy and old ways and I'm, I'm talking about like to make money um especially to make money like you have to say no to so many things that are going to come your way for example a couple years after leaving the industry and when I was still struggling very much to, you know, make ends meet, I was offered five million dollars to make one video and fully like, you know, full nude, full penetration, like just one porn video. And I felt really good about myself when I didn't even have to think about it or contemplate it. It just came out as a disgusted no. How dare you even ask me? Like, look how look how far I've come. Like, yes, I'm still struggling, but. I am adamant about wanting to put this behind me and I'm not going to compromise on my new morals. <laughs> yeah, having integrity. Yeah. Boundaries. Boundaries can be Boundaries tough. are very important when you're trying to rebrand from into anything. I ask everybody this question, but I guess I'll just ask it because I ask it. What has your biggest career mistake been? <sighs> well, there was this one time I told a guy to enjoy his photo shoot when he was telling me to have a good photo shoot and I've thought about that every night before bed and just how embarrassing I must have sounded what do you mean wait what and I'm totally s- kidding it was porn okay okay got it <laughs> got it <laughs> um what 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 would you say your biggest career victory has been getting a sports show with my childhood hero Gilbert Arenas I love you what's next for you Everything, I hope. I'm so excited what about the future. What are you, 26? Yeah. Everything. Yeah, exactly. I'm everything. getting married next year. I, I, Everything. I want to do everything. You're trying on wedding gowns I am, on yeah. Instagram. Yeah. You look beautiful. Thank you. So there's this concept of success that we talk about here on Girl Boss Radio, and it could mean anything, right? It could mean financial success. It could be I found love. It could be I finally got a dog. I don't know. It could really mean anything. What is what does success mean to you today? I measure my success with how worried I am about at the time. So it fluctuates during the year because I have busier seasons. Um, sports season is the busiest for me. So in the summer, I always feel less successful. Uh, I kind of feel a little lazy because I don't have very much to do. I don't have as much going on. But and I'm I I worry a lot more financially in the summer. Um, so I measure my success with my level of worry level of stress yeah and we have something called girl boss moments which we've had for a long time I still I don't want to change the name but it's so like hallmark moment I like it but it really is just a moment in your most recent history where you're like damn I was I was proud of that like I I did that for myself I'm really happy about it 
What was your most recent girl boss moment, Mia? I think it was going to try on wedding dresses and having them tell me that they don't have a single dress in stock that's over my budget, so I'm fine picking anything in the store. That's a great feeling. It was fantastic. Mia, thank you so much for joining me on Girl Boss Radio. Thank you for having me. I, I was actually telling her earlier before you got here how big of a fan I was of Nasty Gal. My entire family decided they would all each get me a Nasty Gal gift card for my 21st birthday. Oh my God. And it was the best birthday ever. That's so sweet. That's our show for this week. Thanks to Mia for coming on the show and sharing her story with us. And as always, be sure to leave a rating, review wherever you get your podcasts. Tell your friends about Girlboss Radio. Share Girlboss Radio on your Insta stories. Tag me and Girlboss. We may just reshare what you have to say about it. And if you have any suggestions or anyone you want to hear on Girlboss Radio, please email us at radio at girlboss.com. All right, that's it for me. I'll talk to you next week. <laughs>